Our sermon text this Easter Sunday in the year of our Lord 2023 is found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 19 to 26. I invite you now to listen to God's holy and inerrant word given to us from the lips of the Apostle Paul as he wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God's word, friend, is more precious than gold, more precious than fine gold. It is sweeter than honey, sweeter even than the drippings of the honeycomb. Listen now to God's holy and inerrant word. The Apostle Paul writes and says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Thus far, the reading of God's word It is absolutely true, and it is given to you because your Father in heaven loves you. Let's pray. O blessed Lord, you've caused all the Holy Scripture to be written for our learning. Now, by your Spirit, may you give us the grace to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest even this portion of your word that we might hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This morning, on all corners of the globe, in all sorts of different languages and tongues, Christians are, just as we did a moment ago, confessing their faith using the ancient words, of the Nicene Creed, and they have done this for almost 2,000 years, friends. One of the phrases that the church has spoke throughout the ages and speaks even today is this, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Those words are being spoken today by the church in English, in Mandarin, in Hindi, in Spanish, 
in French, in Arabic, in Bengali, in Swahili, in Russian, in Portuguese, in Indonesian, and in all sorts of other tongues as well. I hope you know, beloved, that when you say that you look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, you do not say those words alone. No, you say them with the church down through the ages. You say them with Augustine and Patrick and Calvin. You say them with anonymous blacksmiths and field workers and slaves and maidservants and kings who lived and died long ago. And you say them today with the, wor- the church around the world. The wording of the creed on this point has always struck me. We not only believe in the resurrection of the dead, we look for it. We look for it. We anticipate it. We hope for it. We long for it. As those who are in Christ, we already have so many things regarding our salvation. We have been given already the forgiveness of our sins. We have been given already peace with God. We have the gift of prayer. We have the gift of the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We have the gifts of the sacraments of baptism and the supper. But still, there is one thing we lack this morning, friends. We do not yet have the resurrection of the dead. We do not yet possess the life of the world to come. And so we look for it. One of the things that we do when we do this, when we look for the resurrection of the dead, is we cultivate a kind of holy dissatisfaction with the way that things are now. A holy dissatisfaction with the way things are now. Beloved, at this point in history, we live in the before times. We live in the time before the glorious resurrection of the dead, in the time before the life of the world to come. And it is right and holy for us now, even this Easter Sunday in the year of our Lord, 2023, to be dissatisfied by the state of affairs. Let me be clear with you, to look for the resurrection of the dead is to refuse to make peace with the way things are now, to refuse to make peace with death. I don't know about you, friends, but I am so weary of death. I'm so tired of it. I'm ready for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Almost three years ago now, my friend and parishioner Nathan died suddenly in a car accident. His life was cut short in his early 40s. He left behind a widow and four children. I loved Nathan deeply, and I think about him all the time, I carry his death with me day by day, week by week, month by month. Only six weeks ago, a pastor friend of mine lost his wife suddenly 
in the span of 48 hours to leukemia. And two weeks ago, another pastor's friend's daughter was murdered at her school in Nashville, along with two other children and three adults. I carry these griefs and many others beside, and I know that you also carry terrible wounds, unhealed wounds caused by death in this world. It is impossible to be a human being and not be confronted by death's horror. The parents we have lost, the grandparents, the spouses, the siblings, the children, the friends, the neighbors. The Apostle Paul knew this. He gives language for our discontent. He says, if in, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are of all people most to be pitied. To be clear, Paul speaks this way because he is not content with the way things are. And he is saying we should not be content either with some vague hope about the immortality of the soul or some hazy idea that after we die, after our loved ones die, their souls and our souls go to some better place. No, what Paul wants and what we want is the resurrection of the dead. When we say that we look for the resurrection of the dead, what we are saying is that we refuse to settle for anything less. We refuse for death to be defeated by anything less than bodily resurrection. What I want and what Paul wants is the life of the world to come. The life of the new creation that one day will be but is not yet here. What I want is not just somehow to believe that my friend Nathan is in a better place now. No, what I want is to embrace Nathan again, to hug him just as I did right out there on that sidewalk in the sunshine three years ago on the day before he died. The last time I saw him in the flesh, in this flesh at least. I don't want anything less than that. I refuse to settle for anything less than the resurrection of the dead. I want death to die, to be completely destroyed, to lose all its power over myself and all of those whom I love. I want the dead in Christ to rise and to receive everlasting life in their new and glorious bodies, in the new creation that Jesus himself will bring at his coming. And beloved, the good news is that is precisely the hope and the promise that we rejoice in and give thanks for this Easter Sunday. For we are those who, because of the resurrection of Jesus, look for the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Listen again to these words from the Apostle Paul. He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, 
We are of all people most to be pitied. You see, what Paul is saying here is that if death wins, if death is the end, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then we are all fools. We're foolish people, if that is the case. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then there is no reason for all our alleluias this morning. No reason for our singing, no reason for our glad tidings, no reason for our Easter suits and Easter dresses and our Easter feasts. The Christian faith without the resurrection of the dead, without the resurrection of the body, becomes exactly what Karl Marx accused it of being, an opiate for the masses. Something to simply make men and women feel a little bit better about their desperate plight and keep them somewhat happy and distracted in the midst of their sufferings in this life. That's what the Christian faith is without the resurrection of the dead. But beloved, this is the grace and good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs, bestowing life. Listen again to how Paul puts it. He says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, says Paul, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he that is Christ must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The logic of Paul's words is this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he says, who was crucified by sinful men, really died. He actually died. He died in the same manner of every human person who has ever lived and died. Every person whom you have known who has died, Jesus died in that same way. His heart stopped beating. His lungs stopped functioning. His brain ceased activity. Jesus' soul at the time of his death was ripped out of his body. And his dead body, cold and lifeless, was wrapped in linen cloths and laid in a tomb by his friends. Beloved, Jesus knew the fullness of death's horror and power just as every person whom you have loved and lost to death has known the horror 
and power and destruction of death. But then, three days later, early in the morning on the first day of the week, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised his beloved Son from the dead. By the power of the living God, the God who made heaven and earth, Jesus of Nazareth, God's Son, burst out of the tomb in which his friends had buried him. Now, it's important that you understand this distinction. Jesus, in his resurrection, did not just come back to life. No, the Father raised his Son from the dead in a glorified and resurrected body, a body no longer prone to corruption or mortality, a body full of power and strength. And he bestowed upon his Son the gift that no man had ever yet received in all of human history, the gift of everlasting, eternal, physical, fleshly, bodily life. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6. He says, what is different about Jesus' resurrection, what makes it absolutely unique, is that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. For death no longer has dominion over him. And the promise of the gospel, the promise of Easter is that one day, Jesus Christ, having been raised by his Father, will raise each of us from the dead in exactly the same way. Jesus will raise us from the dead, beloved, in a way that is absolutely different from the way that he raised Lazarus from the dead, the way that he raised the widow's son or Jairus' daughter. Beloved, when Jesus raises you from the dead on the last day, you will be raised as he was raised. On that day, what happened to him on the first day of the week, on Easter Sunday, will happen also to you. And you being raised on that day from the dead by the power of the risen Christ, the risen Son of God. You will never die again, for death will no longer have dominion over you. As Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians, Jesus is the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. By one man, Adam, came death, Paul says, but also by one man, Jesus shall all be made alive. And made alive in just the same way that he has been made alive, with glorified physical bodies risen to live in the resurrected earth, the new creation that our Lord will bring with his coming. Now, make no mistake, the resurrection of our Lord is not just about new hope or happy endings. No, the resurrection of our Lord was physical and bodily. As we heard in our reading from Luke this morning, when Jesus appeared on the day of his resurrection to his disciples in the upper room, they worried 
that this was just about new hope and happy endings, that he was just a spirit, an insubstantial ghost, that his body, whatever it was, was not living flesh. But as Jesus spoke to them, he said this question. He said, do you have anything to eat? He said, here, let me show you what you are dealing with. And in their presence, Jesus ate a piece of grilled fish, and he spoke to them and said, why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet? It is I, myself, touch me, he said. Embrace me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Beloved, this is what we believe and confess when we say that we look for the resurrection of the dead. When we say that we look for the life of the world to come. This is the very heart of our faith and the substance of all our hope that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and having died once, he will never die again. And one day he will raise our very bodies from the grave and give us the very same everlasting life that he has received now at his Father's right hand. In the risen Jesus, we have the sealed promise of our salvation, sealed in his very resurrected bones and flesh, the promise that he will raise us also from the grave. Beloved, in a world of suffering, and pain, and horror, and death. Let me make this clear this Easter Sunday in the year of our Lord, 2023. We are those who make no peace with death. No peace with death. We broker no deal with the deterioration of our bodies with the pain and suffering and horror that all human beings have always known. We do not console ourselves with false sentiment or some vague hope in the immortality of the soul. No, we are those who look for the resurrection of the dead. We are those who scan the horizon for the life of the world to come. We are those who drive by the graveyards of our beloveds and we say to ourselves when we drive by, that is the place, that is the sacred place where one day my Lord Jesus will raise my husband, my wife, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my son, my daughter, my friend, from the dead, from the grave that we put them in. And on that day, he will give them life everlasting. Beloved, we are those who look on the horror and violence of death. We look it straight in the face. And this is what we say. 
Death, be not proud. For one day, one day death, thou shalt die. We are those who say with the prophet Job, I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. Even now, at his Father's right hand, And at the last day, he will stand upon the earth. And after my body has been destroyed and put in the grave, yet in my flesh, in my risen, glorified flesh, I shall see Jesus. Though I die, I shall see and embrace the risen Christ. My eyes shall behold him. On the last day. That is no metaphor, friends. That is the truth. Beloved, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. risen And this day, because of the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ and the Son of God, we are those who look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.